Today's Issues continues on AFR with your host, Tim Wildman, president of the American Family Association. And the first thing you're going to say, why, that's not Tim. <laughs> Who is that? Well, uh, it is uh, Thanksgiving week, and Tim's taking the week off, as is Ed. So we are here, Fred Jackson sitting in for Tim, and joining me from Charlotte, North Carolina, is our good friend Frank Turek. Welcome back, Frank. Great to be here. Tim and Ed are slackers today. We're the ones <laughs> holding up the whole the whole American Family Radio Network right now. Fred, yes. That's what's going on. Come I on. tell you what. And joining us in studio from uh, AFR News is Steve Jordan. Yes, good morning. And I believe we are the finest, finest AFR show to air at this point in time on the station. Okay. Right. At, at, at 11 o'clock Central. We're the, we're the best. <laughs> Very good. Well, this, the, we've been talking about this, the fact that this is Thanksgiving week. And, uh, hey, listen, I was out shopping on the weekend, and the grocery stores were filled with people uh, buying the uh, overly expensive turkeys and all of that sort of thing. You can thank Joe Biden for that. Although, if you were to blame Joe Biden for it, uh, Joe Biden would say that's Putin's fault. Uh, they played a montage on Fox and Friends this morning. And uh, I tell you, any problem in the world right now, according to Joe Biden, it's it's uh, Vladimir Putin's fault. Uh, gas prices, turkey prices, the cost of your celery or whatever the case may be, it's all uh, Putin's fault. So, well, uh, well, Fred, before Steve gets to the real news, the Babylon Bee has a headline right now called Turkey Denied Presidential Pardon After Photos Emerge of It Attending... <laughs> January 6th. That's right. You see that? (laughs) (laughs) So (laughs) Biden couldn't pardon that turkey because he was at January 6th. (laughs) And we can't have that. All right. Listen, uh, we've been talking about uh, this, the the meal coming up on Thanksgiving Day. And Frank, uh, you wanted to talk to us a little bit about uh, how we can share the gospel at a Thanksgiving table. Talk to us a little bit about well, that. Well, yeah, we got top the top 10 ways of doing that. How about we just start with the first way? All right, go ahead. Right now, before the news? You want to do it before the news? Oh, yeah, go ahead. Okay. Well, I know it's going to sound odd for a Christian, but the first thing we ought to do is pray. Not only before we get there, but volunteer to pray over the meal. Oh. And what you ought to do is you can pray the gospel in the prayer. Right? Oh. Who's going to interrupt a prayer? Nobody's going to interrupt a prayer, right? Yeah. Lord, Thank help you. these sinners. These That's right. Well, you don't want to go that far, yeah. But you do want to pray. Pray for the family members by name. Hmm. Don't make it a long prayer, but pray for the family members by name. Pray for the food. And then, say, you know, thank God for coming to earth uh, the first Christmas uh, in the person of Christ to pay for our sins and to forgive us our sins for anyone who trusts in him. You know, you could pray for that. Are you thankful for that? Or if you even want to, uh, you want to make it even less overt in the sense that people are going to say, "Well, you're just trying to push the gospel on people." Go online and find a prayer from one of the presidents hmm. on Thanksgiving, and just read that. You know, I thought it'd be good to talk about Lincoln today since he started Thanksgiving or whatever. You know, yeah, and and just. Just be someone to advance the ball down the field a little bit by doing that. So pray is the number one way to advance the gospel at holiday dinners. Yeah, and and pray that God prepares hearts Mm -hmm. uh, because the Holy Spirit can use that saying grace over over the meal and and 
to, as you say, to present the gospel, but also that hearts would be prepared. That's right. Uh, because quite often, you know, uh, people arrive and uh, at the dinner table and they're talking about football and all of those sorts of things. And uh, but you don't know what's going on in their conscience many times. That's right. And there's always a lot of prayer during football. Like I hope they convert <laughs> this third down. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so people are praying anyway. You just don't know it. That's right. That's right. All right. So that's the first thing. Uh, you've got a few more. Oh, we've got plenty more. Sure. Yeah. Go ahead. Uh, number two, serve. In other words, get off the couch and act like you're a Christian. Start serving people. You know, go in the kitchen and help. Ask people if they need something to drink. Get it for them. You know, be a servant. Even Jesus said, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So we ought to be someone who people are going to look at and go, wow, this person's really, really out here to serve. So that's number two. All right. Continue on. We want to do five today, five tomorrow. Oh, even before we get to the news completely. Oh, Oh, okay. Number three is ask. Ask questions of people. How you been doing this year? What's been going on? Uh, If you feel led, you might even say, is there anything I can pray for you about? Right? Mm. Ask questions. And when people say something, you don't want to – immediately if it's you think it's something wrong you don't want to uh, try and refute what they say you want to ask them to support what they say mm-hmm. so if they say something like uh you know you get talking about christianity well i can't believe the bible it's been changed throughout the centuries you ought not go through a, a, a litany as to why it hasn't been changed throughout the centuries what you want to say is well first of all what do you mean by that what do you mean it's been changed throughout the centuries and they mm-hmm. just see if they can describe even what they're talking about Second thing is to say, well, how'd you come to that conclusion? Like, in other words, what evidence do you have for that position? Because I guarantee you, Fred, most people don't have evidence for these statements they make. They just have a a slogan they've heard, and they think the slogan's true. And as soon as you ask them for evidence for the slogan, they're not going to be able to give you evidence. So before they're going to accept your worldview, they have to begin to doubt their worldview first. So if you ask them, well... How did you come to that conclusion? Have you investigated the manuscript evidence for yourself? I guarantee you nobody's going to say, yeah, you know, just last night I was up reading a book about the Byzantine line of manuscripts, right? Nobody's going to say that because they've just heard a slogan. They haven't actually investigated the issue. Mm. So always ask, what do you mean by that? How did you come to that conclusion? Why do you think this is true? By the way, all this you can find in our app, the Cross-Examined app two words in the app store, cross-examine. There's a quick answer section there where you can get these questions you ought to ask people. It's easy to ask questions. It's hard to answer them. So you should be asking more questions. You should be, you should be asking and listening 80% of the time you ought to be listening. You ought to only be talking 20% of the time. Yeah, because people like to express their point of view. They yeah. like to be asked. Yeah, so keep asking. Yeah, go Just ahead. Just keep asking. And they're going to hang themselves eventually if they have the wrong view. <laughs> Right? You don't need to tell them they're wrong. They're going to realize they're wrong. Just ask the right questions. Mm-hmm. Okay, number four. All right. Well, uh, part of number three, another question you ought to ask is um, it, it, if, if, if you do get it somehow talking about Christianity and you know they're not a Christian, you might ask them, if Christianity were true, would you become a Christian? Hmm. Or if Jesus rose from the dead to prove he was God, would you follow him? That might be a way of taking the term Christianity out because a lot of people have this negative idea of Christianity. And by the way, if they say Christians are all hypocrites, you can agree with them. And then you can say, well, why is hypocrisy wrong? Mm. Like who said? Yeah. Right. Now they're getting back to a moral standard and that moral standard is God's nature. 
You can also ask the question that we talked about in the first segment, and that is when somebody plays Beethoven wrong, who do you blame? Yeah. Or when somebody plays Beethoven poorly, who do you blame? You don't blame Beethoven. You blame the player. So if somebody plays Jesus poorly, who do you blame? You don't blame Jesus. Christianity is not Christians. Christianity is Jesus. So just because I'm not true and beautiful as a Christian doesn't mean Jesus isn't true and beautiful. He still is. And if we were true and beautiful all the time, we wouldn't need Jesus. We were perfect. We wouldn't need him. So when people say, I can't go to church because there's too many hypocrites, I always say, come on down, pal. We got room for one more. Right. We're all hypocrites. That's why we need a savior. So you have to ask questions. Uh, And if you ask enough questions, people are going to realize that their view has problems. And then they might ask you about your view. Amen. A couple of more before we uh, get back to the. Sure. Well, part of number uh, number one is pray. Number two is serve. Number three is ask. Number four is listen. Um, If they ask you a question, then you should obviously respond. Maybe you might mention something about how God is working in your life or something you've read recently that is encouraging. But you always want to get back to asking them more questions and listen. Because as you mentioned earlier, Fred, people love talking about themselves. Mm. Why? Because they can't be wrong if they're talking about themselves. There's no pressure. And if if you're in the listening mode, they're going to be more apt to listen to you. Uh, And then number five is tactical questions. I sort of mentioned this already before. You always want to ask, what do you mean by that? How did you come to that conclusion? And then the third thing you might want to, third thing you may want to ask back is this. If somebody, let's go back to our example we talked about before. The Bible's been changed throughout the centuries. After you ask, what do you mean by that? And how did you come to that conclusion? You might say, to offer some evidence back to them, have you ever considered that we know the Bible has not changed throughout the centuries because what we do is we take about the, the 6,000 handwritten Greek manuscripts that we've discovered over the centuries, and we can compare them and reconstruct the original, and we know what the original said with a high, very high degree of accuracy. There's no mystery as to what the original document said. Uh, it, there is a mystery for some as whether or not the original documents are telling us the truth. That's another question. But we can't say the Bible's been changed throughout the centuries because manuscript experts are able to reconstruct the original with a great degree of accuracy. And any place that they're unsure of actually does not affect uh, any theology. In fact, this Saturday on the American Family Radio Network at 10 a.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Central, we're going to have two experts to talk about this on the I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist show uh, about the manuscript evidence. Amen. So if you want to hear more about that, you can. In fact, you know what the real problem is, Fred? The real problem is we don't have too little of the Bible. We have too much of the Bible. Yeah. What does that mean? Yeah. There are places in the Scripture we're not sure if it should be there, <laughs> like the end of the Gospel of Mark or the story of the woman caught in adultery. These are well-known issues that if you have a study Bible, you go to the end of the mark, it's going to have a little footnote and say, hey, these verses, these last few verses might not have been in the original. But even if you take those verses out, you don't change any theology. Same thing is true with the woman caught in adultery. We're not sure where this goes in the Bible. Right now it's in John. Should it be there? I don't, you know, should, it sounds like a true story, but in the earliest manuscripts it wasn't there. Now, if you take that whole story out, does the Bible change? No. Yeah. I mean, you don't, there's no, there's no new theology, in other words. Yeah. Hey, listen, for the other five, you're going to have to come back tomorrow, folks. That's right. Frank will have the other five. Mm-hmm. And um, if if you're confused by all of this, uh, there's one other solution to it all. You invite Frank to dinner. 
right. <laughs> you may get a lot of invitations after after today. All right, uh, Frank. So much, so much to think about there. So much good, really good material, good thoughts. Uh, because you know, if you pray for the opportunity to witness, God will give you that opportunity. Right. Yep. All right, Mr. Steve, what else going on in the news today? I told you before we got in the air, Fred, never leave me with a whole hour to look at news while I'm listening to the first hour of the show because, man. So I just found this. Um, a report commissioned by the Health and Human Services Agency says that masking and social distancing should be encouraged or even mandated once again in public in order to protect people from COVID-19 and from the possibility of suffering from long covid and, and it's really not that they don't want to keep you from having long COVID, although I'm sure they do. It's that the people who have long COVID feel ostracized because they can't go out because no one's wearing masks anymore. You know, uh, I'm I'm not surprised that this is coming. Is it CDC? Is it's the that- uh, um, HHS. HH. Okay, government agency. You know, Frank, not surprised by the timing of this. They didn't want to talk about masks and distancing before the election. Now that the election is over, I could have predicted this. We're going to go back into kind of, and yesterday, to, to make my point, during the, uh, the, the, uh, the, the turkey thing on the, on the front lawn of the White House. Oh, chocolate and chip. Chocolate and chip, the two turkeys that were kept from losing their head. Uh, Joe Biden actually brought up, uh, go out and get your next booster. He worked really? it into the conversation, which he never talked about during the election campaign. So, Frank, I guess we ought not to be surprised. We're going to go back into this restrict mode. You got to do it. Got to do it to make sure, you know, Granny's going to be at the table at Christmas time. How many times did Anthony Fauci have a booster? How many times? <laughs> All of them, I would assume. <laughs> he had how many boosters and he got COVID? How many times? Yeah. I mean, when, when are we going to say this stuff doesn't work? It's uh, worse. When? It's worse than that. It it actually yeah. harms. I, yeah, I brought yeah, there's, a, there's there's more and more stories coming out about that, Steve. What do you have on that? Well, I just uh, I heard this this morning. I wanted to play you. Uh, this is a doctor. Let me see if I can. I get my. Uh, this is. Um. Hang on. I had this. I have it right here. <laughs> this is a doctor that you're going to hear. Um, her name is Dr. Sukrit Bakhti. She was yeah, on the. She doesn't agree with me. She's against science. Right. <laughs> on the Taylor Hudak show. And I want you to hear what she's saying about vaccines. This was in 2021 that they published this, and Twitter took it down and censored it. Um, this is uh, cut 10. This vaccination is killing people. I mean, the statistics are showing, you know, uh, the care homes in all of Europe. Uh, where vaccination has taken place, is fo- the vaccination wave is followed by a wave of deaths. Now, we're not saying, we can't say that these deaths are due to the vaccine because those pe- poor people, 80 and above, are never looked at. There are n- never any autopsies. You know, they say, no, it has nothing to do with it. They just collapsed and died, but their time was up. It's just horrifying. The wave of vaccination virtually always followed by a wave of death. Wherever you look, are the German politicians killing their own citizens? And the British are thinking the same. As are the Americans. As are the Americans. Well, I'll tell you, uh, Brent, we're still off YouTube, aren't we? 
Yeah. <laughs> uh, we've been permanently banned from you. If, if we were on YouTube, we probably would be off YouTube within uh, 12 hours from now. You know, uh, this, Frank, this, this really does get so old. <laughs> it's amazing to me. Moderna and Pfizer announced uh, about two weeks ago they are going to launch an investigation into possible side effects uh, from their from their vaccines and the, from their boosters. And I said at the time, that's like the government hiring the mafia to investigate organized crime. Mm, you know, yeah. it's do you think they're really going to find that their vaccines are causing massive problems around the world? We got to follow the money. Unfortunately, when you do. You have these companies recommending vaccines for children when we know that children are not affected by COVID. There were zero children that actually died or didn't have comorbidities from COVID. Nobody has died from COVID who's a child unless they had comorbidities. And yet here, here they are trying to come up with a vaccine. For what reason? Yeah. It's got to be. The only thing you can say is money. Yes. It's got to be money. Yeah. You know, and, and, and it's tragic in our country that we can't even have a debate about this without people trying to shut you up and shut you down. And yet the alternative media out there is pouring out stat after stat, graph after graph about how there are negative side effects from this. And nobody want, nobody from the mainstream media wants to talk about it. I mean, and, why is that? I know, Frank, and you come from a military background, and I think it's absolutely appalling that our military leaders are still out there saying that uh, make it, you know our, our people have to take the shot, have to take the boosters, because we will not be ready to fight wars unless we have these vaccines. And they're still ready, and I think it's going to happen very shortly. They're going to start activating uh, these threats to throw members of the military out. I sure hope that's not the case. Uh, I have family members in the military. Of course, I was in the military. Yes, I know. But And when someone walks around like Fauci and says, if you disagree with me, you disagree with science. First of all, science doesn't say anything. Scientists say things. Yeah. Okay. And not all scientists are in agreement on this, inf on this information because it's complicated. Look, medicine is complicated, especially vaccines that were created in nine months. It's complicated. And we don't know all the negative effects that can come from it. Normally, these vaccines take years before they come to market because they do so much strenuous testing. We didn't do any of that. No. And, and, and now we've, we've got all these questions and people don't want to talk about it. Yeah. Well, uh, there'll be a price to pay someday, Frank. It's already being paid, apparently. According yes. to, depends on who you read. That's part of the problem. You don't know who to believe anymore, right? Yeah. All right, uh, Steve, got a few minutes. All right, let's do this. Um, a new Rasmussen poll out shows that um, self-identifying conservatives, people that say that they're conservative, are putting the blame on the party's lackluster showing here this past uh, midterm, not on Donald Trump, but on the leadership of the party, which the uh, National Poll, which is bringing this story, calls the Mc leadership of the Republican Party, Kevin McCarthy, Mitch McConnell, and Ronald McDaniel. They say... 43% of conservatives blame them for the poor showing. Only 20% blame Donald Trump. Does Do they say why they, they're, they're polling that way? Why, why are people saying that those three are to blame? Well, because, uh, well, the question that was asked is Republicans did not do well in this year's election and maybe have, as many had expected, who is most to blame for this? Individual candidates, Republican Party, leadership, Donald Trump, or nobody's fault? They didn't go into more okay. in, the, in the poll. Right. But I will I will tell you 
that Donald Trump is nowhere near as unpopular among rank-and-file Republicans as he might be among the intelligentsia within the party and certainly as he is within the mainstream media and the Democrats. Yeah, Frank, uh, the Republican Party is deeply divided right now uh, on and in our listeners, and we've heard from both sides. Uh, some believe that Donald Trump ought to be given another chance uh, in 24. Others say no, time to move on to, to other people. Uh, they mentioned DeSantis a lot in Florida. But, uh, you know, that's going to be part of the debate. And uh, what say you? Well, that's what primaries are for. Mm. That's 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 what they're for, to, to pick out who the nominee will be. And uh, so we'll see what happens. I think DeSantis has done a wonderful job down in Florida. Uh, and he, he seems to me to be Trump without the baggage, because Trump does bring a lot of baggage with him, quite obviously, uh, especially uh, people who just can't stomach him demand because of his boorish behavior, which honestly, he, he is boorish quite a bit, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, Trump may not get enough uh, crossover voters to win again. DeSantis might. We'll, we'll see. That's what primaries are for. We'll yep. see. We'll, you know, we'll see what happens. Although I think what Steve pointed out is exactly right. I think uh, the people to blame more, and I, I think we ought to caveat this a little bit, Republicans took the House. Yeah. Okay. That's huge for Republicans. It's huge for conservatives because they can blunt anything that Biden wants to do. Okay, so that's a big deal. Now, they didn't take it as 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 well as they should have. And I think that the the, the people surveyed on this are onto something because it was Mitch McConnell that put a whole ton of money in Alaska when we knew we were going to get a Republican there and hardly any money in Arizona where he could have made a difference. Mm, Good. So and, and the same thing is true in New Hampshire. Also, if you looked at the numbers, it would be hard for the Republicans to gain a lot in the Senate this year because they had more seats to defend in the Senate. Now, in 2024, it's going to be flipped. 70% or 67% of the seats that are up are going to be Democrat seats. So they're going to, Democrats are going to have a harder time. Of course, there's one seat still to be decided. That's Herschel Walker against uh, uh, Warnock down there in Georgia. And those two candidates couldn't be further apart on the issues. Right. Herschel Walker is conservative and he's going to vote conservative. Warnock, on the other hand, wants to use money to basically mutilate your children. And I'm just telling you the truth. Okay, that's just what's going on. And he is a far left pro-abortion all the way to the moment of conception. So those are the those are the differences there. And we'll see what happens in Georgia here in a few weeks. Yeah, actually, two weeks from today is that runoff. Yep. Uh, By the way, that's that's important. People think, well, it's not important anymore because the Democrats will have the Senate. Not true. If, if Herschel Walker wins, they share power. Yes, Kamala Harris can break the tie, but they share power in the committees if it's 50 to 50. So if Walker wins, that's a big deal. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. All right, All right. about 30 seconds. Yeah, okay. Do you remember uh, Lawn Darts, Frank? The, the I, I do, yeah. Everybody was so dangerous, yeah. they took it off uh-huh. the market. Uh-huh. That's child's play, not to, to be the obvious. But did you know that during a brief window in 1950 – in 1951, children could get what they called the Gilbert U-238 Atomic Energy Lab. It was a kit that allowed them to make nuclear reactions at home using actual radioactive material. It was removed from the shelves in 1951. <laughs> Golly. <laughs> wow. Got to get out to those yard sales there. That's right. Brent's going to put a picture of this up on our Facebook page. Yeah, yeah, well... Put a helmet on it. Come on, that's that's crazy. (laughs) 
Hey, listen, it's great to be with you guys today. Uh, T.I., today's issue is great audience out there, always engaged. Frank, thanks for being with us. Glad you're going to be back again tomorrow. Lord willing. We'll have a great time. Steve, thank you for your contributions. My pleasure. And, yeah, we'll want the uh, remaining five of conversation starters Mm -hmm. for your Thanksgiving meal right here on today's issues. We thank you uh, to Mr. Brent, our producer, as always, for keeping us on the straight and narrow. More great programming ahead here on American Family Radio. See you tomorrow.